And I just want to welcome those that are here for the first time. I see so many new faces. And I also want to welcome back those that we haven't seen in a while. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm not going to point you guys out. I'm just saying welcome back. We are so happy for you, that you guys are here tonight. All right. Um, I hope you guys are excited for tonight. Our speaker here is, is talking, but uh, I'm just going to introduce him. Well, anyways. <laughs> so tonight you guys are here for a special treat. You're here for a special treat. And we're, tonight, we, our speaker was actually the seminar speaker, one of the seminar speakers at our uh, retreat this past weekend. And he's pretty awesome. Uh, he serves as the college pastor at Archetype, which is the college ministry at Arc Ministries. Is that correct? Arc Ministries. Huh? Yes. He'll, he'll correct it, okay? Uh, but he serves as the pastor, college pastor in San Francisco uh, at yeah, San Francisco. Um, and ARC, the ARC is uh, a, a ministry that Pastor Benjamin, who was one of the main speakers at uh, our retreat, he's also the lead pastor of. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Something might have changed. Anyways, but tonight you guys are here for a very, very, very special treat. And he spoke here actually three years ago. And for those that were here, you guys were super blessed, yeah? And so I hope you guys are ready to be blessed tonight. And let's just give a warm welcome to Joe. All right, so since there's like one person who was here three years ago, I'll have to preach a different message. So um, just, just, a, just a quick uh, clarification. Um, we're actually in Berkeley. So we're at, oh, okay, you're still going to give it up for Berkeley. That's awesome. I was like, I, was, I, was, I wasn't sure whether or not you still cheer. Um, but I was born in San Francisco. Um, my name is Joe O, as she said. Um, I, I've never heard so much in my life how much I look like Mickey Cho. But this whole retreat, people would run up to me like, Mickey Cho? And I'm like, no, sorry, sorry. But not one person went up to him saying, are you Joe O? So <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'll let you interpret it. But um, I love speaking to college students, you know, and especially coming on universities. Because even if you look at that word, university, it comes from two words, right? Una, which means one, and veritas, which means truth. And universities, oh, you didn't know that? They don't teach you that in Korea? Okay. Universities were founded because there are all these uh, interdisciplinary subjects, like, you know, math, science, all these different subjects. But, but the original founders of, of learning and education said, but there's, there's this unifying truth, this unifying thread that, that covers all of, of these subjects. And so they started universities. If you walk around Berkeley, we actually, on the, on the, on the, on the, on the uh, campus of Berkeley, there's this huge emblem and it says, the, the actual words are, let there be light. Let there be light. Berkeley was founded. Harvard was started by people who believed in the Bible, in, in the inspired word of God. They were Christians who were hungry and desperate for truth. That's how Harvard and a lot of those Ivy League schools were started. Nowhere near where they are today. So as we're here as university students, I want you to know that you don't just have the truth. You know the truth. The truth is not just a fact. It's not just something you memorize for the test. The truth is a person. The truth is Jesus, and you know him, and he lives inside of you. You know the truth, and the truth knows you. All right, that's not my message. I just wanted to say that. So. But I, maybe I could have just started preaching on that. But um, I, I'm from, uh, from the Bay Area, born and raised in California. So I love my hometown, love my home state. Um, 
I just, I just had this message, and it's been coming to me, and, and normally I don't write notes, but I did, and so um, we'll see how that, that affects things. Um, but I just wanted to, first off, like, just honor this house, you know. Um, I know Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, met them two or three years ago, amazing people. If you know them, um, they just have a heart for God and a heart for people. They're so genuine, and they are people of fire. Like, and that's, that's a word you learn pretty, pretty soon as you start coming to Philly, right? Fire, fire, fire. You know, or fuego, if you speak Spanish, right? Fuego. I, that's, that's what, I went to a service once, it was in Spanish, and they're like, fuego, fuego, fuego. So what is that? He's saying fire. Oh, okay, I see. And so, fire, like, if, if I think about fire, I, I think about New Philly. You know, you guys got, what, Friday fire? Um, when, I, when I think, we just came back from retreat. For those of you guys that weren't there, like, there was fire. Now, now, what does that mean, there was fire? It means that there was this tangible, moving presence and power of the Holy Spirit it coming in a, in a way that it manifested, meaning there, there was an expression of it, a tangible expression of the Holy Spirit. That's what I say. That's what I mean when I say fire. You know, I, I say that because I remember one time um, my sister came to Korea maybe 15 years ago, and um, she was translating for these charismatic people who were ministering to Korean Koreans, and they were saying, "The fire of God is on you." And she's like, "Uh." Hananime uh, pool, you know, uh, and and the people they would all inevitably touch their heads and look up, right? It's like no, no, no. It 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 means like there's a tangible expression of the Holy Spirit that's happening, and at the retreat we saw it, we felt it, we experienced it, and and it comes in many forms, different ways. And I don't know where you came from and what your background is, but I know that growing up I was very skeptical about the fire of God. I was, you know, you know touching people and they're falling down and i was like and and, it, and it's because sometimes i saw the inauthentic expression of it you know i saw it touch, and the person's like you know i'm like how are you gonna fall but look where you're falling so you have a soft landing right like and and i and so the the times i saw the into, inauthentic expression it made me conclude this is not real you know but as i began to experience the fire of god and I would try to share with my friends, like, they would say, Joe, you're relying on your experience. I was like, oh, you're right. But I know I've experienced it. But I can't convince you until I realized you're relying on your lack of experience. Because you haven't experienced it, you're, you're convinced it's not true. The fire, but the fire, I've got good news. You can experience it. It's meant to be experienced. And when I think of New Philly, it's a house of fire. It's a, and if you've been coming for some time, but you haven't experienced it or, you know, and, and you don't, don't worry about it. Stay, stay around long enough and you will. Okay. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Now, I wanted to talk something about that's related to the fire of God, but not exactly the fire of God. Cause I think that's what God is going to start to do. This is what I believe in new Philly. And it's something that he's doing back home in Berkeley. Or I should say back in our family that's across in the States. Because we're family churches, if you guys didn't know that. So this is what God's doing in our family. So our family. I wanted to talk about the wind of God. It's different from the fire of God. But they both come from God. Now, the fire of God is consuming. Right? It burns. It illuminates. You can see it. The wind of God is covert. You can feel it, but you can't see it. It comes and it goes. There's an interesting thing happening 
that at our church that we've been going through where God has been doing two things. The fire of God and the wind of God. And as it's been happening in our church, it's almost been dividing our church. Where people are like, fire of God, fire of God, fuego, right? And then wind of God. How do you say wind in Spanish? Quick, somebody. Viento, viento, right? And, and, and people are being drawn to one or the other. But I'm here to say that God is doing both. God is doing both. Now, I want to brag a little bit about my wife, okay? So, because I miss her, and the next best thing I have to do is, is make you listen about her. So, so my wife is pretty amazing. You know, she, if you guys know her, you guys know it's true. It's so funny, like, when I, when I first, uh, I met her here in Korea, so it's very special, and when... And actually, we're, we were sitting over there like the last time I spoke for a maze in that room. We were praying for you guys. Yeah, I know. I, I walked by there, and I was like, oh, don't look. Be strong, right? <laughs> she's not there. <laughs> so, I was like, maybe she'll be there. No, no, she's not. Um, but she, she's this amazing, incredible woman that I married. And she grew up um, in Encinitas, San Diego. And she grew up more of like a hippie. She was a surfer. You know, she was kind of into no, new age. Um, into like, you know, the whole like crystals and meditation, um, and just like good vibes, positive energy. Cause, cause here's the thing. She was very spiritual. Like she could sense things and at times she would even see things, but she didn't know what that was. And so what happened was like through this crazy experience, she came, she came to know the Lord. We're going to fast forward a little bit. Um, cause I want to share with you about how the fire of God works in her life. So she's a school teacher and, and I shared this at my seminar with some of you guys, but I'm going to share it again. I don't care. So, <laughs> yeah. so she's a school teacher in the in inner city of Oakland, right? And so there's a coffee shop right next to her school. So every now and then she'll grab some coffee before she goes to class. And so as she's walking um, to class, she stops in this uh, a coffee shop. And it's just her and the barista. And the guy is just like rude and he's mean. And she's just like, oh, what's going on? And about a couple weeks earlier, what had happened was... There was someone else that was being really mean and really rude to her, like, like with, for no reason, though. You know, and sometimes you go, I don't know why she's so mean to me, but, like, there's lots of reasons, but we don't know, right? But, but like, no, really. Like, she was really, like, I, I, I don't, I, I couldn't think of a single thing I've done to try to offend her or, or maybe, you know, unknowingly offended her. But she just, like, does all these things. And as she was sharing with me, all of a sudden I was like, Aaron, I think she's a witch. She's a witch. No, but not like, like, like she's like a mean person, you know, but like, I, I actually think she like is in the occult and, and I've never said that about anyone before, you know, I was like, and, and I think what it is, is that those spirits that she's tapping into are influencing her unknowingly. She probably doesn't even know why she, she doesn't like you, but whenever you're around, those spirits get so agitated and they just, and she just, ah, but she doesn't even know why I'm, I'm convinced she's a witch. So the next day you go to school, try to spill some water on her see what not. It's like. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't. And so, so she's like, oh, okay. A couple weeks later, she comes back, and, and that person um, had actually uh, – I was trying to be sensitive so that it never gets back out. But she quit the, the school they were working at. And, and uh, the, her students and, and some of um, the former teacher students uh, casually in conversation said, did you know that Miss So-and-so was a witch? She would tell us all the time how she was a Wiccan, but she didn't do bad magic. She only did good magic. And so she came home. She's like, baby, you're right. She's a witch. I was like, I knew it. Because if anyone doesn't like you, they, they have to be a witch, right? So I was like, aww, aww. Right? I was like, 
So I was like, yeah, yeah. And so because this had just happened, because this had just happened, it's in her head. And when this guy's just being mean and rude to her for no reason, reason, she's like, he must be a witch. And so she decides to ask him. So she's like, um, excuse me, but are you a warlock? And the guy looks at her and he goes, what? He's like, I know it's weird. I, I'm sorry. I was just wondering, but, you know. And, he goes, and then he leans over the counter and says, listen, little girl, I don't have time to teach you little white, white magic, fairy magic, okay? I deal with the real stuff, so get out of my face. And then so Aaron goes, oh, I don't want to learn any magic from you. And she's like, then why'd you ask? Are you a Christian? She goes, yes, I am. He gets so angry. He's like, I curse you to die. And she starts to laugh in his face, right? <laughs> now, there's some, she, she'll come back and give a seminar on joy fair, okay? That's, that's a spiritual art, the spiritual practice of, of, of declaring joy wherever you go. That's, that's like the best kind of spiritual warfare, joy fair. So she's just, he's like, I curse you to die. And she's like, you can't curse me to die. And she starts laughing, and she laughs because it's actually her birthday, right? It's the day she was born. It's the day she's born. And he's like, I, she's like, today's my birthday. It's the day I was born. It's, today's the day people celebrate that I live. You can't curse me to die. And he's like, it doesn't work like that. I curse you to die. Yeah, right? And then, here's your coffee. <laughs> so he's like, that'll be $3. And so... She's like, thanks. And she threw the coffee away. Right? She didn't drink. She's like, ah, I don't know. I don't want his coffee. She comes home and tells me the story. I'm like, oh, this is going to be exciting. So I was like, tell, tell me what happens. A couple weeks later, she goes back in. She stops in. The guy's there. And again, it's just him and her. Right? And so she's like, okay. And, but she wanted to check in now and then. So she goes there, and she sees this guy. And he's, like, really kind of bummed out. And he's like, oh, Hey. Sorry about last time. You know, he's like, I was in a really bad mood, and then, you know, you came in here, and I was like, oh, I curse you to die. You know, stuff like, he's like, I was like, I, I, I'm so, I apologize. And so she's like, oh, okay, okay. And he even gives her, like, he's a free drink on the house, you know. And, and I was like, did you drink it? She's like, oh, it was one of those, like, sealed ones. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to trick you. You know, he's like, you got to watch out for these warlocks, you know. Uh, and so they're talking, and then and he was just really sad. And he's like, he's like, ever since you came, he's like, I lost all my powers. Because when, when, when he was praying, I curse you to die, she, just, she prayed in her head, I shut you down. She's like, I just shut you down now in Jesus' name. I forbid any of your powers. You know, I remove all of your... You know, you could do that. There have been times where... One time she was sitting on a plane coming from Korea uh, to come back to the States so we can get married. And while she's sitting there next to her, all of a sudden there's someone who's like, oh, your fiancé wants to talk to you. Because she was actually engaged before we got married. A long time ago, though, right? It wasn't like right before. It was a long time ago. She got engaged, and she's like, and, but she knew that this was not her fiancé. It was, it was something demonic posing as her fiancé. And she was so tired, she just wanted to sleep. So she's like, Lord, I just shut this down. And all of a sudden, late next to her was like, it's like this wall just came down. It's like, I can't, I can't see anything anymore. It's like this wall. And so Aaron and her had this, you know, conversation about, you know, spirituality and all that stuff. But uh, getting back to the real story. So he's really sad, and he's like, and then he says, did you know that I could levitate? It's like, oh, you don't believe me. I know it sounds crazy. You don't believe me, but I used to be able to levitate, but now I can't. And she's like, no, no, no. Like, I, I believe you could have. You know, and, and, and they, they start talking about, like, spiritual things. And, and she goes, you know, I know the last time I was here, you cursed me to die. It's like, but that's not real power. 
She said, I think the kind of power that you're, because that's why people get into the occult. They're hungry for power. And the promise is you will gain power that you control these demons and they serve you and give you power. So a lot of people that have been wounded or hurt or, or feel like victimized are drawn to that because of the sense of power, sense of, I will get you back for how you hurt me. So with these demons are, you know, or another word for witchcraft is actually manipulation. And we're not chanting or drawing things in the ground, but I'm manipulating you. Now, because it's about control. I'm going to control you. You cannot control me. I will control you. Now, have you ever thought about love potions, right? I'm going to give you this love potion, and then you have no choice but to love me. Manipulation is another form of witchcraft. It's about controlling other people. So they're talking. She says, I think the real power that you're searching for is not cursing people to die. The power that you're hungry for is to raise the dead to life. And she said, that's real power. And he was like, that is real power. <laughs> and, you know, so they had a conversation. She's like, well, I got to go to class now. Bye. And she texts me. I just had the strangest conversation with that guy. I was like, oh, wow. Awesome. Like another month passes by. She stops in the cafe again. And the guy's there. But this time he's like smiling and he's happy. He's like, it's you. I've been waiting for you to come back. Oh, I'm so glad that I met you. You know, last time I was sad that I met you because I lost all my powers. But like, but since then, like I've cleaned up my life and like I've been focusing on positivity and like I'm really into new age now and like just like pure energy and, and like, you know, so he's like, so he's like, he's like, it's, it's, my life is just so much better. Like I got rid of all the dark stuff and the black magic, like got rid of all of that stuff, no, got rid of all the negativity and it's just positivity and good energy now. And like, my life is so good, so much better. So I just want to say thank you. And like Erin is talking to him cause she, she grew up in the new age, you know, and she knows it's a counterfeit and deception, right? So she's talking with him and all of a sudden he starts sharing like, man, it's so crazy. I've been having these dreams and there's dreams, there's there's this man that appears to me that's just shining and glowing. Like I'm in the forest and this shining and glowing being comes towards me. He's my spirit guide. And what, yeah. And it goes, and what he says to me is this, what he says is, I'm going to clothe you in righteousness. And he's like, I have no idea what that means. He's like, I'm going to clothe, but, but I love these dreams. And every time I have these dreams, it just feels so good and positive. And so he's like, and, I, and so Aaron goes, huh, I, I think I might be able to channel this spirit guide. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, and, and if I pray, I do it through prayer, I, I think we can c- contact him. And so she's like, so she, he gets really excited, and, he, and there's one other coworker, and she tells him, hey, hey, uh, I forget the girl's name, but she's like, hey, hey can, you, can you take over? You know, we're going to go to the back, and, and, you know, I don't know what he said. He said, we're going to the back. So they go to the back room. And he, li- and he sits down, and she's like, well, I'm just going to put my hand on your shoulder and pray for you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, <laughs> crosses his legs, and he just, he's just, like, he's just preparing himself, right? He's, 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 he's well-churched, right? So she doesn't say anything out loud. But in her spirit, in her mind, with her heart, she just begins to pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Because the Holy Spirit brings revelation to who Jesus is. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And as she's praying, he begins to start twitching. And she's seen this before when people who've been messing with demonic stuff, they might seem like they're having an okay conversation. But when the presence of God comes, those things jump out and they're like, ah, or, or, you know, it, 
there's a reaction. And, and, and so she opens her eyes to look. But this is what he's doing. He's shaking. And then he just starts. And tears are streaming down his face. And he starts to shout. It's him. It's him. It's him. And she's praying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. It's him. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's him. It's Jesus. She didn't even say the name Jesus. But he revealed himself. And he just cries. And he's shaking. And he's shouting. It's Jesus. 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 It's the fire of God. And then he says to her. It's like my whole life. I've been naked. But now I have clothes. I'm like. Are you sure you have been reading the Bible? Because that stuff is in the Bible. They even hang out with some biblical demons. But like, that's, that stuff is like, it's like in my whole life I've been naked, but now I have clothes. And he was like, I got to go back. I got to go back and tell my friends who are witches and warlocks, like, like they've been deceived. Like, I got to, because they don't know. He's like, they don't know. They don't, they're naked. They don't know. That day was Halloween. It was Halloween. That day. So we invite, she invited him because we were having a prayer meeting that night. We, you remember that, Justin, right? Hallowed be thy name. So we invited him to, uh, <laughs> to hallowed be thy name. It was like this. We're, we just, as Christians, we just wanted to get together and just worship God. It wasn't like an anti-Halloween party rally. You know, it was just like, no, on this night, God, we just want to worship you and just love you and say, hallowed be thy name. Like, that's it. It's not anti-anything. It's just, Jesus, we want to worship you and just love you. So she invited him to this thing. And he's like, I'll be there. I'll be there. And I think it was going to start at 7. Um, around 6.30, I was like, hey, you should call him. So she calls him. And he answers, hey, what's going on? Oh, my God, I totally forgot. I'm so sorry. Like, I was going to come. But, like, but like after you left, like, I had to tell someone. You know, like, right? You got to testify. This guy's, this guy's legit. He's like, I had to tell somebody. I had to share with somebody what God had done. I couldn't just go back to serving coffee. He's like, I had to share. So I called my only Christian friend that I know. And I told him about like being naked and then having clothes. And he was like, are you on drugs again? Because he had a, you know, he's like, oh my God, are you calling me? Are you high right now? He's like, he's like, no, 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 no. Like there's a glowing man. And then he gave me clothes. And like, I'm not naked anymore. And like, and but he eventually got the story to the guy, and the guy says, I'm coming right. So he basically, he grabs the phone away from this guy, and he asks my wife, who are you? He says, I have been praying for my friend for 10 years. And he said, and every time I prayed for him, he got worse. I would pray for him and try to share, and he would be very antagonistic. And then I would keep praying for him and share, and then he'd be like, well, now I'm an atheist. And then I would keep praying for him, and I was sharing. He'd be like, well, now I'm a Satanist. And I was like, God, the more I pray, the worse he gets. The more I pray, it seems like the more demons oppress him. Maybe I should stop praying so demons... That's a lie. That's a lie. Don't ever stop praying for people that you love. Because God was working. God was working. He's like, and then last time I heard from him, he tells me, like, now he's in New Age. And I'm like, God, he's never going to get out of this stuff. He's just never going to get it. But then he calls me today and talks about a glowing man who gave him clothes. Who are you? She's like, 
I'm Aaron. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, she's like, and he's like, basically, when that guy called him, he said, and he finally heard, he's like, I'm coming to get you right now. And we're going to, because, guess, check this out. He goes to Bethel in Redding, California. Yeah, Bill Johnson, Chris Fallon, that church. So he said, I'm coming to grab you right now because just to make sure we're going to take you to some inner healing deliverance because sometimes that stuff needs to happen, right? Like God gives you the breakthrough and you go and just make sure that all the doors are closed and all that stuff. Um, so, so basically what happened was that that guy drove from, from Reading at 1 p.m., got there, or, or like or 12 or 11. Oh, wait, my wife probably there early in the morning. It's so like 8 or 9, left, picked him up, and was on his way back to Reading when we called him. Man, that's like the fire of God just falling and moving. But my wife also moves in the wind of God. She's an amazing teacher. There's things that she's doing in her school that she has supernatural favor from God. But it doesn't look like some dramatic moment. But it is just... You know, she has students that were failing. And you know that they build prisons based, I forget which grade it was. I hope it wasn't fourth grade because that's so young. But I, I feel like it was fourth grade where to determine the number of prisons to build, I think it's fourth grade or sixth grade, they look at the number of kids that have failed. And they build prisons according to that. And it's accurate, which is why they do that. And so she had kids when she came to sixth grade, inner city school in Oakland, who were failing failing in seventh grade they're thriving she took those students she took them to a math fair now they're seventh graders they went to the high school section of that math fair and they just sat the whole time they're like fun games but they went to solve the hardest problems they solved those equations and unbeknownst to them it was actually qualifying them for a full ride college scholarship and Aaron was like, I wonder why this woman kept walking around making sure that my students were not, like, you know, were doing everything correctly and making sure that they weren't cheating or sharing answers. Um, and at the end of it, she got all the information. She's like, congratulations, you guys have qualified for a full-ride college scholarship. They're like, what? No, because they're like, what's a scholarship? <laughs> you know, it's like, it wasn't like, yeah, because they're seventh grade, right? You got a scholarship. What kind of ship? Is that like a boat that, you know, you got, you know, like a student boat, you know, like. And, she's, and, and so they asked my wife. They're like, they're like, Teacher Aaron, Mrs. O, what's a scholarship? They're like, they're going to pay for your college. They're like, so, they're like, so that's like, she's like, about forty dollars to $50,000. And then they're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that we're, we're ri- like, I mean, this is just one of the amazing stories that is happening where she goes. She moves in, in, in both. You know, she moves in evangelism so powerfully wherever she goes. I could, I could keep sharing stories. I could just preach about her, right? <laughs> you, know, you know, I'd be like, oh, she, she's amazing. But this is what I want to talk about. Here's what's happening in Berkeley. There's a movement of like Elijah and Elisha. Fire. Fire of God. I love it. It makes for amazing stories and testimonies. Fire of God. I love it when Elijah, right, he, he or Elisha, was it? Oh my gosh, I, I forgot right now. If it was Elijah or Elisha. Um, okay, Elijah. All right, let's go. Wait, I feel like it was, this is so bad. Oh Lord, hu- humble me, Jesus. No, no, no. It's like, uh, I, I'm going to say it was Elijah, right? So he's going and he's fighting. He's fighting against, he's so sick of it. 
He's so sick of it, right? So he says, I'm going to just go with Elijah. He says, you know what? I'm going to face off with the prophets of Baal, right? So he says, come on, come on. I'm pretty sure it's Elijah. And he says, come on, come on. It was just humility check. And I'm humble, so it's all good. So, <laughs> so he says, come on, bring out, bring out the prophets of Baal. And the God who answers by fire, that's the true God, right? So, so they, they, they put up their altars and they're singing and they're dancing. They're even cutting themselves. And he's just making fun of them and laughing. And then he says, okay, build my altar. He says, pour water on it. And it says that so much water they poured that it filled up the ditch. And he just prayed and boom, fire came and consumed the offering and even the stones and the water around it. And then the Israelites who were watching, right, they're watching. All of a sudden at that moment, they decided to bow. Like, yes, he is God, right? Because the fire came down and consumed everything. Because they're like, if God can send fire and consume that, he can consume me. You're God. So they bowed down. If I were going to remake that movie, I I would cast Pastor Christian as Elijah. Just put on like a robe, put a robe on him, and he's Elijah. Just walking around, you know, like he's just, he's Elijah. Just, just put some like old century clothes on him. That, that's who he is. Don't have to change a thing. Fire, fire. And we have that in our church. You know, we have people who are just men and women of fire, fire. And like John the Baptist, Matt, he was a man of fire. See, and the men and women of fire, they're always coming against the powers and principalities that are opposed to God. See, when Herod did something wicked by killing his brother to marry his brother's wife, John made a stink about it. He was the only one brave and courageous enough to point and said, sin and wickedness, repent, 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 repent. Men and women of fire, they have that urge to just confront, to repent and call to repentance. They want to confront it, repent, confront it, repent. That's the fire of God. In our church, we got people like that. But we also have people who are men and women of the wind. Now, where you have Elijah, Elisha, and, and um, oh my, I don't know why my mind is blanking on me, and John the Baptist, men and women of the wind, we have people like Joseph and Daniel. John the Baptist, coming against the king, repent, you wicked sinner, repent, repent. You have Daniel and Joseph in the palace, serving those wicked kings and those wicked pharaohs. In fact, this is what Joseph says in Genesis 45, 8. He says, I am like a father to Pharaoh. What? He says, I am like a father to Pharaoh. God has made me like a father to Pharaoh. Daniel served some wicked kings. Joseph served some wicked kings. He was basically supporting and serving a demonic empire. Daniel served Babylon, right? You read Revelation. Babylon is like, you know, it talks about all these dragons. Babylon. Daniel was serving Babylon. But he was placed there by God. When Daniel, because he refused to stop praying openly. The King Darius was tricked into having to decree that anyone who worshipped beso- anything else besides the king will be fed to the lions. When Daniel was grabbed, thrown to the lion's den, it says Darius was so troubled that he, he fasted and would not sleep and would not be comforted. And as soon as the day broke, he runs to the, to the den, opens and says, Daniel, was your God able to save you? And you know how Daniel responds? It's very interesting. 
He says, O king, live forever. He didn't say, praise the Lord, the one true God of all gods above all. His first words out of his mouth were, O king, may you live forever. It looks so different, doesn't it, from Elijah, from John the Baptist. Now, where am I going with this? My friend had a dream, and she was, she was part of the ark. She was one of the people that helped found the ark. And she had a dream that gave so much insight into this. And in this dream, you know, her name's Sarah Yang, actually. She's been here before, and I, I, I know she's going to come again. Um, she had this dream where God invited her into a room to play video games, right? And so there's this huge screen. I know what? Oh, heretic. I knew he was a heretic, right? It's like... God invited me to a room. Play. See, it's her dream. It's, it's how God is speaking to her. You know, and, and so, and, and, and she said on half of the screen, it was a portion, it was like a World War II game. And, and, and on one half of the screen, it was where you were the pilot and you controlled where the bombers were going. And on the other half of the screen with the other controller, it was where you were the gunner. Now, these, these bombers would, would have a pilot, but they would also have a gunner. Someone that when enemy aircraft came, they would shoot it. And she said that as she was playing this game, God explained to her and said, Sarah... The ark is like this video game where some of you are pilots and some of you are gunners. But you're working together for the same goal. The pilots, they want to get deep into enemy territory stealthily so that they can strategically blow up certain things, tear down certain strongholds. They're not trying to say, I'm coming. I'm coming. No, stealth. Stealth mode. (laughs) And then, boom. Right? But the gunners are always looking for something to shoot. If anything comes in, like they're just looking to blow something up. Right? And so so it's almost like if the pilot saw a plane that might find it, so it starts going away. What if the gunner starts saying, No, go back, go back, why are you doing? And that's what was happening in our church. And that's what's happening in, I think, the church, where people who are, I'm a man and woman of fire. I'm a man and woman of the wind of God. And what we do is instead of realizing that we are supposed to work together in concert, we're saying, they're just crazy and weird and just want to roll around on the ground. And what good does that do anybody except, you know, people here, they just don't have the passion and the spirit of God. They just, they just look at their lives. They, they just want to get, you know, get a job. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, right. all they want to do is just pray every day and sing the same song five times and then, right? We judge each other instead of realizing that we're supposed to work together as the wind and the fire of God. It's what he's doing. Kind of brings me to this. First Peter 2 says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You know when um, Stephen Beauchamp came and shared, he's a manifier, right? There's, you don't have to think about manifier right there, right? Benjamin Rob's manifier, right? Manifier, like in, in, our, in our community, in our, in our lineage, the words that we use, so many men and women of fire. And, and for me, I really I- identify with, with the wind of God. So I would ask myself, how do I fit in this group? You know, and also, like, there's a, there's a really strong evangelistic call on my life. So 
Every time I hear a preacher preach, I'm reinterpreting it. When they say, repent of your sin, I'm thinking of my friend who's, who's a lesbian, who is hurt by the church, and saying, thinking, does she understand what repentance means, and does she understand what sin means, and how God sees sin, and how God, you know what I'm saying? When he's like, the righteousness of God. What does righteousness mean? Sanctification. And they were like, God sanctifies you. I would always be thinking, okay, what's the word that my friend, and I'm thinking of a person that I know, what's the word that they would understand? So if they were sitting here with me, they wouldn't leave being like, it was like they were speaking Chinese or something. And when I would be around people of the wind, this is what we would talk about. Like, how do we, how do we engage people where they understand what's going on? So that they don't just leave confused, like, what was that? But I'm in a house of fire. And people are looking at me like, where's your fire, Joe? It, it's here. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's, like, you know, like when your candle's about to die, you run over and put in another candle or something. Like, it's, it's like, like everyone put our candles here. And I felt so out of place. But God has been showing. And if there's any of you who feel like maybe I don't belong here, I'm not, no, no, no. You always belong in the family of God. You belong in this community. And if you're only here for one month, you belong here for one month. Meaning you give yourself to these people for a month. Because there's something that God wants to give you. And there's something that you also have to give to them. Okay, so if you're only here for your semester or a month. Or, man, I only came in New Philly last week and I only got three more weeks. What's the point of it? No. For three weeks, you show for everything. So that when you're gone, people are like, where'd she go? Show for everything. Show for things that you're not even supposed to go to. Show for leadership meetings. Stand outside the door. I'm outside of your door. Right? Like, like, like just come for everything. And soak it up before you go. There's something so amazing here. Don't just be like, oh, should I go, um, you know, oh, not should I say should I go study, but, you know, should I go, you know, do this? Or, no, no. Soak it up. For most of you, it's a limited time you're here. Soak it up. But people win. And then God, as God began to share this with me, I began to see, no, there's room for all of us on this ship. There's room for all of us. Now, here's the thing, though. Royal priesthood. You have a preference probably for one or the other. But what God said was this. I'm going to make you a royal priesthood. Check this out. Saul was a king. He was royal. Now there's a time where he's supposed to fight a battle. But he needs to wait for the priest Samuel, the prophet, to come to offer up the sacrifices. Because the priests were the ones that offered the sacrifices. Even if you were a king, there are some things you could not do. You could not do the duties of a priest. So... When Saul gets afraid and sees his people leaving because they're not offering the sacrifice, he says, I'm just going to offer the sacrifice. And at that moment, Samuel comes. And Samuel says, because you were afraid of man and you disobeyed, God's going to tear the kingdom away from you and give it to someone whose heart is after his. But part of that violation was the fact that he overstepped his bounds. He's a king. Stay in your king box. You don't go into the priest box. And that's why, Samuel, I know you're a priest and you've been leading these people, but I'm going to give them a king because you're a priest. Now, let's fast forward a little bit to David. David, one day, he's really hungry. So he goes in the temple, and he eats the bread that's just for the priests. You can die for this, but David doesn't. Why? I don't know. <laughs> because, by, you guys are students. You figure out, no. <laughs> Just going to give you all the answers. What do you think this is? Because no. somehow... He accessed by faith the messianic covenant of Jesus where we become a royal priesthood. What I'm saying is this. 
I think for a lot of us, we've been equipped in the priesthood. And we have an understanding of the priesthood of God. Ministering to the Lord day and night. Let incense arise. Just spending time with the Lord. Worshiping the Lord. Like as priests offering up incense and sacrifices unto the Lord. But we don't understand what it means to be a royal priesthood. A kingly priesthood. See, kings, they go out into the marketplace. They go out into the world of fashion. And they make an impact. They take power and exert influence. A king is anyone that has access to resources. CEOs, they're little kings. See, and we're called to be kingly priests. The problem is in our churches, a lot of us only know one side. When I used to play basketball, I had a really good right-hand drive. Like, I could just get around anybody. But something started to happen where all my friends and then even opposing defenses, they would overplay my right hand. Meaning, they wouldn't stand in front of me anymore. They would stand right here. And you know what I would do? I would keep trying to go, and they would just keep running to the right. I could not get around them. And my coach was like, Joe, for two weeks, you can only dribble with your left hand. And I was horrible. And I was so bad that I didn't want to do it. Because I, I went from being good to horrible. But as I practiced with my left hand, now I became a double threat. I was like, I can go right, but you're going to play me on the right, and I'll just go left, and it's easy. God's going to bring new Philly. God's going to bring each of you. He wants to bring the church into a season where we're not just priests now, but we're royal priests. We're not just men and women of fire, but we're also men and women of the wind. See, we're not just in here singing to the Lord with all of our hearts, but what? We can go out there and win American Idol. Right? We're not, we're not just in here making these amazing New Philly athletic t-shirts, but we're out there designing fashion. You know the, you know the uh, owner of Tom's Shoes? He's a believer. Did you know that? And we need to release kingdom principles into the business world. Because right now, business is all about taking and taking and taking and taking. But you know, I love the concept of Tom's Shoes because it's a very simple story. One for one. Every shoe you buy, a child in need somewhere gets a pair of shoes. That's kingdom principles in the world of business. Now, we've heard business is evil and wicked. It's all about money. Yeah, because the Christians aren't doing it. The people of God have abandoned it. Fashion is just about this. It's just about sex and this. Yeah, because those who are filled with the Spirit of God aren't doing it. You know, there's scriptures where it says when the Spirit of God, the first time it kind of talks about the Spirit of God just filling and indwelling people, it talks about artists. It talks about the people who built the tabernacle and the temple and all those things. The Spirit of God comes to fill. Because, you know, it's the year of creativity, isn't it? Who's the most creative being in the world? You. Because you're filled with God. I just changed that up right now. <laughs> I was, like, was going to say God too. <laughs> it's you. Because, oh yeah, it's God. But it's not me. It's you. If the Spirit of God lives in you. And he wants to release things through you and through his people. Creative and innovative ideas that will release his kingdom on this earth. Whether it's business or fashion or whatever it is or science, medical breakthroughs. Like there are things that God has. Now, as, as someone who appreciates art, right? Not just creativity, but art. Not all things are artistic. But like if you, were, if you made a medical breakthrough, that's creative. Um, and it could be considered an art, but it's not what we normally call the arts. But I love like things like music, right? And I remember when I used to try to write songs, you know, um, this is what I would do. I would just like try to get really sad. Like, like I'd, I'd just be like, man, 
Oh. Oh. Only have peanut butter but no jelly. Oh. Like, I would try to make myself, like, and I would think about, like, all this bad stuff that happened in my life. And just, like, try to, because why? Because I had realized that when I was, like, really, like, wounded and broken or angry, like, like I could just write and create poems or you know like and write songs and like nobody understands me like like it would just it would just come out right nobody knows like it would just flow when god created do you think he was like all right i got to think of like oh okay um oh yeah like no when god created he created out of joy he was like let there be light. And there was, he's like, yeah. Like, when God created, there was a joy. See, you and I have access to another level of creativity that the world doesn't even know yet. Because they create out of the truth that they know. And a lot of times that truth is brokenness, it's pain, it's hurt. But man, the truth that we have access to, the creativity and the joy that we have access to, it's something that the world is longing for, is desperate to see. You know, there's something called the Moth, and it's a storytelling organization. And uh, I can tell by the science, none of you have heard of it. But it's, it's oh, except for one guy. It's, it's actually pretty awesome. I love it. I love it. And so um, they have people, all sorts of people from, like, uh, celebrities to um, film people to just average show people. And they started in New York. And the reason why they call it the Moth is because it was started by just a group of friends who met telling stories late into the evening. And what happened was that on the screens, they would tell stories till late at night, and moths would come again. So they said, let's call it the Moth. And it started to explode, and they started doing something called story slams, which is like a poetry slam where they would have a, a, a theme for the evening, and then people would come and pack it out, 100 or 300 people, and um, you put your name in a hat if you have a story, and the 10 names that they pull out of the hat get a share that night, and it's judged, and people vote on it. I've been listening to podcasts for several years, and they have some amazing stories, some stories that I'm like, oh, it's okay, but it's very interesting to listen to. I love it. They finally came to San Francisco. So I was like, awesome. I was like, Aaron, we have to go. So we took about 14 of our friends, and we went. And I wanted to share a story, but the theme that night was envy. And I was like, oh, I, don't I got nothing to share about that. <laughs> I was like, you know, if it was, if it was, maybe it was, maybe it was, you know, beauty. You know, I got, you know. But anyways, I, I didn't have a story that I thought was good enough to share. So, and also I was a little intimidated, right? So I went there. I was kind of thinking of one I had maybe, and I was like, nah, it's not good enough. And so I didn't think about it. And, and as, we're, as we're going there, um, I'm standing outside to give tickets to my friends. And my, my wife, my beautiful wife, texts me and says, Babe, I just heard them say that there's not enough stories for tonight. So I put your name in the hat. <laughs> Is that okay? And I was, like, I was like, yeah, it's always better to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? So I was like, so I was like you are so wise. Um, so I was like, but because I was intimidated... Because here, I'm preaching, right? I can preach in front of you guys because I don't care what you think. But people that I don't know, I care what they think, right? So, like, oh, Emmaus thinks you suck. So what? Like, you know, like, I don't care. <laughs> like, whatever. You know, but I'm in a bar filled with 200 people who, like, don't know Jesus. And I'm like, please like me. You know, like, so I was like, there was that fear. There was that fear. So I was like, I, 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 I. But because I knew I was, it was what we call the fear of man. I was like, I have to share. And maybe by the grace of God, they won't pull my name out. So I said, it's okay, put it in. And she's like, I said I already did. I was like, okay, thank you, love you. <laughs> right? 
And then the event's going to start, and it's packed, and it's filled, and they've sold out completely. And the guy goes up there at the, at, before he starts it off. He's like, if there are any more people who have stories, please submit them. Because they pull out ten names, and he said, because we only have seven names. And, like, I did the math, and I was like, I'm sure. It's been a long time since I've been that nervous. And so they're, like, digging around, and they pull out a name. You know, and they say the name, and a guy runs up there like he's just been waiting, and he starts sharing. The first thing he says is, I hate my effing brother. I was like, that's so different from the story I think I was going to share. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, God. Uh, and he's like, every time I look at him, I see the life that I could have had if I had just made different choices. I envy his life. Story after story of brokenness and envy and we can all relate, right? I mean, if you're a human being at some point on this earth, this broken world, right? You've, you've experienced that, right? You know, pulling out name after name after name. And there's just like a heaviness in the room. Cause it's a heavy subject. And, and uh, the fifth name, before their break, they pull it out. And they go, Joseph or? <laughs> and so I was like, oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. There's, there's this. Oh, wait. That's me? Because my last name is O, but, and it was printed out because, like, she turned in my ticket that had my name on it. But for whatever reason, yeah, okay. People, I, I explained to her when we got married, babe, when you get married and you're on the phone with somebody, you always have to say, like, Aaron O, spelled O-H. Because if you go last name O, they'll be like, oh, oh, what? It's a, it's a hassle. And so she was like, I can't believe people don't know how to, and a lot of people go ask me if my name is Ho or, like, or I'm like, it says O-H, O-H. It's in the English language. It's like, but anyways. They call my name, and I go up there, and I'm just, like, freaking out. And so for five seconds, and then as I start to share, I start to hit a groove. As I was standing out there, nervously laughing at everyone else, not really listening to them to come in with my story, um, I remember I had this moment. I was like, God, like, I want you to speak to people in this room. I want you to – and this is not the moment for me to go up there and have a captive audience and pull out my Bible and preach my, my message, my sermon from last week. You know, I know it's not the place for that. You know, and, and some people might judge me for that, say, why didn't you do that? I said, but I know, God, like, that's not what you want from me in this moment. It's like, but God, I still want to share the truth of who you are. I still want to release your presence and your spirit as I'm speaking in this place. And I went up there and I shared my story of envy of how I ended up at this resort in Thailand, honeymoon resort, by myself, for three days, by myself. <laughs> and every day, they would plan couples activities and go to Lover's Lagoon and, you know, all these other places that I just despised. And I'd been single for most of my life, but I was okay with that because um, I can be alone. But it was one of the first times I experienced, like, overwhelming loneliness, which is different from just being alone, you know, and... I remember just having this moment where um, seeing my God, you know, I think I think I really would like to get married. And just kind of sharing how I was just so envious of all the couples there. And uh, just fast forward, because they rang the bell. They're like, you have one minute left. And I just ended it September 3rd, you know, 2010. I was standing on the shores of one of the most beautiful places on the earth, envying all the love that surrounded me. September 3rd, 2011, I was standing before the love of my life. 
moments from exchanging our wedding vows. And I had a realization that I didn't want a life worth envying. I wanted to live a life worth sharing. And I walked off the stage. And people just erupted in applause. And some people laughed, like Matthew. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, And we were there with a lot of Aaron's coworkers who, I call them pre-Christians, because like, one guy looked at him, I'm like, you're a youth pastor, man. I didn't say that, though, but I'm like, look at the whole time, I'm like, you're a youth pastor. You're a youth pastor. You're, you're going to be a youth pastor. You don't even know it. But I know it. You're going to know it one day. And like, it spoke to them in such a deep way. They're like, what you shared was so, what I'm saying is this. I know know through the relationships that we build, like, yeah, there are going to be times where we have that explicit conversation where we talk about Jesus and faith and all those things. But you've got to know when God wants to bring the wind and when God wants to bring the fire. And you can't just say, no, all I know is fire. So fuego, fuego, fuego. You know, you can't, all I know is wind, bonito, bonito. No, you've got to know because God is doing both. Sometimes he does one. Sometimes he does them at the same time. Oh, and I won. Yeah, there you go. So I won the story slam. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And um, they sent it to their New York uh, production team, and they're, they're going to decide who goes up on the, their podcast. And then they pick uh, winners from the, grand, um, from the story slam, and then you go to something called the Grand Slam and compete. Um, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll keep you guys in touch. Um, but I wanted to end with this. And maybe we can get the praise team to come up. First, I want to say, church, we got to honor each other. People are different from you. Great. Marriage has taught me one thing. I don't want to marry me. Like, I don't. Like, I like being me. But I don't want to kiss me. I don't want to. Nothing, right? Like, I don't want to marry me. Like, it's great that we're different. And my wife, the things that used to drive me crazy, and I'm still only married for almost two years. But, no, I'm really, there's strengths that God has given us to complement each other. I appreciate, I'm learning to appreciate and value. You know, so we got to honor each other. There was such a time when I looked at the fire of God. And because it wasn't my first inclination and i'm starting to learn to love the fire of god because it's god because i love god i don't love fire i don't love wind i love god so if it's of god i'm going to learn to love it so even though i'm more naturally wind if it's of god and it's fire i'm going to learn to love that thing like so my wife she's she's actually this royal priesthood already i feel like where she does both but she she sometimes gets weirded out when people are doing all sorts of stuff right but we just had a text because I was texting what's going through. She's like, babe, people are falling and people are shaking. And she's like, you know, I have this growing desire to experience that, to be slain in the spirit. The funny thing is I experienced that when I was seven years old. I was at a church and my dad brought me out in front of this guest preacher. And I had no idea what was going on. And everyone's praying and stuff. And all I remember is this, like he was praying for me. And then I, I was like on the ground. And then I was crying. And, like, I looked over, and I saw another girl from my Sunday school who was on the ground and crying, too. And we're just like, "Ah, ah, ah." like, and I just, I just, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't understand. If it happened to me today, I still wouldn't understand what's going on. 
But all I know is that when I went home, I felt so clean. Like, I couldn't explain it, but I couldn't deny it. It was unexplainable, but undeniable. And I remember going to school the next day and telling all my friends, man, at my church, this man prayed for me. And then I fell down and cried for like an hour. But man, I feel so good. My friends just looked at me like I was weird. During class, I said, teacher, I have to share something today. And she was like, yes, Joseph. At my church, this man came and he prayed for me. And I fell on the ground and I cried. And now I feel so good. And I remember it was Mrs. George. She was like, okay, thank you, Joseph. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I have to, there's more. I was like, I was like, I was like God has been reminding me this week, like, Joe, I set a fire in your heart at a young age. Set a fire in your heart at a young age. And I release you to start playing. There you go. Right now, this is the word. This is what I feel the Spirit of God saying. All hands on deck. We need the men and women of fire. We need the men and women of the wind. We need the royal priesthood. We need the priests to start getting their crowns. And this is what's going to start happening at New Philly. What happens when wind and fire unite? What happens when the people of this house, the wind and the fire unite? You know what happens? Pentecost. Because it says, a mighty rushing wind filled the room. And then tongues of fire appeared on their heads. Now why does God partner these two together? Because he wants the fire to burn in his house. He says, day and night, let incense arise. Day and night, never let the fire go out. 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 But I'm going to send my wind. And what does the wind do on the day of Pentecost? That fire exploded from the upper room and went out into the world. The wind carries the fire of God. Flames carried by the wind of God. Say, you guys need to work together. Royal priesthood. That's what God is going to do in this house. That's what God is going to do in this house. And this is, this, is, this is my prayer. I'm like, Lord, let the fire fall. Let the wind blow. Let the fire fall. Let the wind blow. Let the fire fall. Let the wind blow. And we're going to stir up the fire in this room. But God, let the wind blow so that we go onto the campus and reveal to them university. Reveal to them the truth of who you are, Jesus. Let's burn up the fire in our gatherings so that when we walk into business, we're going with the fire of God, carried by the wind of God. Now, the wind of God, another word is pneuma or ruach. You know what that means? It means breathed into, which is the word for inspiration. The word inspiration means breathed into the wind of God, the breath of God filling you. This is New Philly's year of inspiration because you already have the fire. You got the fire. I didn't come to give you fire. You got it. But I can't say, Lord, release the wind. Release the wind, God. Release the wind of God. Release the wind of God.